I don't know about you, but we've had, uh, we've had a few visitors with us over Easter. In fact, we had two sets because uh, the Easter holiday is, is mistimed uh, over the country. So different members of our family have had a holiday at different times. Uh, so they've arrived with us at different times. One day, the Christian church around the world will get themselves organized And we'll all have Easter at the same time, and we'll ignore the moon, and we'll just pick a date and go for it. But, um, uh, you know, maybe we need to wait until heaven for that. It was with a little sadness that the last Easter rabbit, one of those lint ones wrapped in gold with a little bell around its neck, which was quite big, was eaten yesterday. And I felt at that moment, Easter is now done. It's finished. The duvets have been cleared away. The eggs have been eaten. And now we can get on with whatever else is set for us this term. We've done the Emmaus Road reading, which Nigel preached so beautifully on last week. And now we can just get ready for Christmas. Or, you know, if you're very churchy, then Pentecost. We'll wait a few weeks and then Pentecost. But actually, that's not the story in our reading. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You see, the Easter story changes everything. Nothing is the same anymore because of the power of the risen Jesus living in us. Everything is different. So we dive back into Colossians and pick up where we were just before Easter. But actually, the story is the same. The story's carrying on. And it's all about us being filled and transformed with Jesus' risen power. Let's just unpick a little bit about what it means to be raised with Christ. And if you want to kind of dig into uh, some more about what the resurrection is all about, our evening service at the moment, Encounter, we've got a series of four just on the resurrection. So we had the first one last week. Um, either get along or listen online because it's, um, it's a really, really good series. But the resurrection here has got this interesting little phrase, the way that Paul puts it. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. But I thought the resurrection was happening when Jesus returned. I thought that's the point when we... But no, we have been raised with Christ. We have been raised from the dead right now with Christ and our eternal life has begun. If it's not started for you yet, it can start this morning because his risen power is alive in us and he wants to move in to your life. This is not some abstract idea. This is not just a festival that's been taken over by Clinton cards and Cadbury's chocolate This is a lived reality for us. That Jesus, because he was raised from the dead, comes and inhabits us. He brings us to life. So the resurrection 
has already happened. And it will happen. You have been raised with Christ. And so Paul invites us to set our hearts, our minds on things that are above. And, and maybe, maybe for you to set your mind on, on something that's above is to become very heavenly. Become all kind of, you know, I, I'm, 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 may, I'm being prepared for heaven. I'm fit for heaven. I, I'm just going to think about heavenly things and angels and and God's throne room and, and all of those things are wonderful. But actually, I don't think that's what Paul is talking about when he says that we're to think, to set our hearts, our minds on things above. I think there's this echo of the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come on earth. We're to set our minds, our emotions on things above so that they come on earth. So that they become a present reality. And the reason is because actually we died with Christ and our life is now hidden in him. We are now his ambassadors, his agents, co-missioning with him in the world, bringing his kingdom here on earth. So let's think a little bit about what it means to set our minds on something. Um, I, I have a confession to make. Megan and I have an Amazon Prime account. I know, it's very bad. Shame. Shame. We, we, we got it, uh, the confession is, we got it uh, in 2015 because we were on holiday and we wanted to watch the whole of the Broadchurch series <laughs> in our hotel room because we had watched episode one and we couldn't get away from it and the only way was to subscribe to Amazon Prime because then we got all of the episodes for free and we watched them back to back. Uh, the fir- I think the first five uh, in the hotel room and then the last one on the plane on the way home. Amazon Prime means that I can order something off my phone and most of the time it's delivered the following day. They know my address. I don't need to put my card details in. It just arrives. In fact, there are even some things on Amazon Prime which, if I order them before about one o'clock in the, in the afternoon, will arrive by nine o'clock the same day. How awesome is that? When are they going to start doing lunch? I mean, this is, this is phenomenal. And, and we, we increasingly live in that kind of world. If, if there's something that you want, you can have it. Like that. A few taps and it's yours. But there are some things that we can't have like that. There are some things that we need to invest in and work towards. You will have seen this is a ruthless, shameless plug, but it seemed to fit in with the talk, so I'll do it anyway. You will have seen that I'm running the marathon next week, London Marathon. You know, I can't get there by just deciding that that's what I'm going to do. I can't get there by being passive. I can't get there by thinking, ah, happy marathon thoughts. What a joy to run 26.2 miles 
how wonderful it will be and how delightful to cross the finishing line. None of those things will actually get me there. I cannot do it by just thinking wonderful things. I had to fill in the application form. I had to find a charity that was willing to take me on. I had to get advice from a professional physio because my right tendon was a bit cranky. I had to read things and... I had to blog about it in order to try and raise some sponsorship money. And I had to set up a sponsorship page. And I would love you to sponsor me. Completely shameless plug. Okay, it's in the notice sheet. There's a page on the back. Uh, I need to raise two grand. I'm nowhere near. So I'd be great for it. And the other thing that I had to do is I had to go running. (laughs) Quite a lot. (laughs) And not just a bit of running, a lot of running and, and, and working up to, you know, to 20 miles. And frankly, this, this year, uh, the, it's been hard. But I've had to go and do it anyway, week in, week out, week out, whether it's raining or snowing. And hopefully, well, I will cross the finish line next week. I don't think it'll be a very good time. I just hope that I beat my mother. You know, there's a little kind of age thing there of thinking, my mum's 75, she's running with us. If I don't beat my mother, there's something really terribly wrong. I I can't get there by just kind of thinking, oh, it'll be okay. I, I can't grab it instantly. I have to work towards it. There are things that we set our hearts on And actually what we have to do is invest in them to get towards them. And we have to set other things aside in order to get there. At the start of the year, I set out five invitations for us as a church. The invitation to follow, to grow, to worship, to give and to go. And can I encourage you to to revisit those? They're just five simple ways of of us assessing how are we doing? Are we moving forward into the things that God has got for us? And Pippa highlighted one of those at the beginning of our service, that together as the nine o'clock, as this sanctuary service, that actually we can serve one another. That we can get involved in doing some little things together that will help us together as we follow Jesus. But there's this other little verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. We who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. You see, one of the ways that we set our hearts upon things that are above is to contemplate who God is to reflect, to remember, to gaze on him, to wait upon him. And as we orientate ourselves towards him, so he does the transforming work in us. But what about the putting to death from Colossians chapter 3 verse 5? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You know, I, um, you, you will know that 
I'm dyslexic and sometimes I find it, one of the side, side effects is that I find it quite difficult to concentrate sometimes. I have to work really hard at concentrating. You know, I physically sometimes will have to clear my desk completely of anything else, move it to the other side of the room so that I can concentrate on the thing that I'm supposed to be concentrating on. Sometimes if I need to really focus, as I did uh, during this week, then I will deliberately go away from my home. I will cycle to a, seems strange, but it helps me concentrate, a noisy cafe in the middle of town and buy myself a, a cup of coffee and a big fat cake. Clearly, that's something that should have been set aside for the marathon training. I would go faster, but what that does is, is I've invested in the coffee, and I know that I've got, I've got an hour or two hours. I've got to knuckle down and focus on this thing. I'm setting aside the distractions to help me focus in. If you like, I'm putting them to death. And that idea of setting things aside is also true in the same way that we set our hearts, our minds on something. It's been a real privilege this week uh, to begin with Wes and Clive a bit of baptism prep um, for Sunday the 3rd of June for five young people that are thinking about baptism. They might not all get baptised, they're thinking about it. And uh, one of the conversations with them is, we're going to plunge you into the water... And we're going to pull you out again, hopefully after not too long. We don't actually want to drown them. Um, But we're going to plunge you into the water. And and the going into the water is a picture of the old self being killed off. And we pull you out in the resurrection life and power of Jesus Christ. And so the question to them is, what are you going to leave in the water? What is it? that you need to set down? What is it that you need to put to death in the way that you're living? And, and, I, and I ask them the question, and whenever I do that in baptism prep, I get a big sheet of paper out, and we fill it with all the things that we're setting down. What a privilege to walk with those young people as they... Think about what that might be like. Paul's list is pretty clear. He starts with the big things on the list. The things that it's easy to name if we've been Christians for a while. He starts with sexual immorality. But you know that's a tough one in our culture actually. It's a tough one for us to choose to hang on to as Christians in a culture that embraces doing whatever you want with whoever you want. But it's on Paul's list. But what's also included is lust. It's not just about what we do with our bodies, but it's about what goes on in our minds. Our imaginations. You see, the drive of Scripture is not for less holiness and purity, but for more holiness and purity, not just with our bodies, but also with our minds and our attitudes. And what comes next on the list is greed. What we do with our cash, with our time. Are we willing to part? with our old ways, 
And apparently there's a whole load of small things on the list as well. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. And then this funny little one at the end. Do not lie to each other. Do not lie to each other. I I wonder why that's there. I was thinking about that and I thought, I think I can see why it's there. Because the danger at the end of such a list is that we think, aha, I've got it sorted, therefore I can hold all of these things up as a banner against everybody else. And Paul says, "Ah, don't lie to each other. (laughs) Remember that, that this is your list. That all of these things are being held up against you. And for these, the wrath of God is upon us. Who will save us? What a wretched man am I, says Paul. Thanks be to God. Because of the work of the cross and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Let's not lie to each other. Let's not have an I'm higher or better. We are people who are on the way. I hope that we'll be a church that's on the way. We're works in progress, people that are being shaped by Jesus. So we can't hold these things over one another. Instead, let's allow Jesus Christ to call us out to more. Because what he says of us is that we're chosen. What he says of us is that we are holy. Not by our own effort, but by what he's made us to be. He has made us holy. That we are dearly loved. And therefore we're supposed to put on the things that he has freely given us so graciously. To choose his way of compassion. His way of kindness, of humility, of gentleness. His example of patience. To bear with one another. To forgive and keep on forgiving Because we're forgiven people. And overall to put on love. So this week, can I encourage you just to think about where you're investing? Are you investing in things that lead you away from God? That lead you away from life? That lead you into death? Or are you investing? Are you setting your heart and mind on those things that will grow the life of Jesus Christ in you. Let me pray. Father God, save us from becoming complacent or tired as we follow you. That we would stand in the fullness of what you've won for us. Your resurrection power flowing through us, bringing us to life. And that we would continue to set our hearts and minds on things above and allow you to transform our living, renewing us daily. In Jesus' name, amen.